Welcome to the Mastering the Mind podcast. We are pleased to announce that we are now an approved basis SEPA endorsed resource. Today, welcome Scott Lincoln to the podcast. Scott is an English athlete specializing in the shot put events. Scott is a 12 time British champion and recently competed at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. His current personal best is that of 21.28 meters. So let's welcome Scott to the podcast. Borderline alcoholic, partying for a yeah, a good four or five weeks straight. It was uh, pretty intense, but yeah, it's good. Yeah, nice. Um, but you yeah, need it. need it after a season like that. <laughs> I don't blame you, mate. Literally, <laughs> yeah. But um, in terms of where we like to start with with podcast guests, is just for you to give us a brief overview of your journey to date. So from growing up to where you are now, just so the listeners can get to know you. Who is yeah. Scott Scott Lincoln? Yeah, so basically I am a, a bricklayer, a builder by trade. Um, left school when I was 16, um, pretty much went straight into the family business uh, as a bricklayer. Uh, my dad owns the company. Um, and yeah, had a had a bit of a play at rugby, played a bit of, uh, obviously trained a bit for shot putting. Um, didn't really know what I wanted to focus on more really enjoy rugby still do watch most games and absolutely love it and still got the bug of rugby but I sort of uh, had a bit of a back injury when I was 16 uh, during school and it was nothing too serious a bit of a torn muscle in the bottom of my back and had to sort of make a decision I couldn't really do both because it was affecting my shot put training and I couldn't really play rugby at the time because of the back so I had to make a decision there and then, really. Um, so pretty much decided that I've got a better chance at getting to a higher level in shot putting, I thought. Um, and yeah, I guess here we are now. Um, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> through I, I started shot putting through school, really. Um, this is a bit of a, a naff way of um, telling the story because I've gone back over here, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I started started throwing shot put in, in school. My my teacher, I had a good, re- a really good bond with my teacher, and he practically said for a bit of banter, like you're a meathead, so have a go. And uh, I did. And I was like two or three meters ahead of everyone in in the school, and uh, enjoyed the days off going to the competitions here, there, and everywhere around the county. And then um, got to the English schools. I remember going to my first English schools. I was in skateboard trainers because uh, I was a bit of a bit of a BMXer in my time. Okay, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, had my skateboard trainers on, just bought them new, turned up, and I always remember. Um, I think it was Michael Wheeler. Um, he was a really talented junior, um, and I remember him smashing the 19 meter box at the side of the sector on his first warm up throw and. He had like all the shop but shoes, the lycra, the 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 kit, the clothing, and I was like, "Wow, like people take this seriously." Yeah. And I was sort of a bit like, "Well, you know, I've got my skateboard shoes on, not really got a technique, just winging it, just learnt off my local teacher at the school." And I think I threw about twelve meters sixty or something, twelve fifty. Uh, got absolutely pasted, came pretty much second to last, I think. Um, but really loved the experience of it and and the whole concept of the English schools, the going away for a few days and getting away from home, being in the camp environment. I absolutely loved it. And they gave me a bug to, uh, to to try and get there again. So I got there again the year after. Um, and that's when they got in touch. My, my school actually got in touch with my coach, Paul Wilson. And that was sort of like about... 14, 15 years ago now. Uh, I was probably about 14 at the at the time, 15 at the time. Um, yeah, and ended up going and having a session with him. Really enjoyed it. He got me into getting some basic technique down. And the first year I was with him, I improved from about 12 metres to 15, I believe. Um, and obviously that gave me the bug to carry on and never looked back since, really. I'm still with the same coach now, 14 years later. He's got me from throwing 12 metres in the English schools with like a 5k to throwing 21-28 this year, getting to the Olympic Games. So, nice been quite a bit of a whirlwind in between, obviously. But um, but yeah, we're here. 
Yeah, just taking it back to, obviously, you said you was a bricklayer. Um, I'm really interested to know, obviously, at the start of your career, um, I'm sure money and shot put and rugby wasn't really there. Uh, but playing those type of sports can lead to injuries. Was there ever a point where, because I, I'm... Um, I'm a landscape gardener, so mm -hmm. I do I do work, uh, and I try to balance it with playing other sports like football. And sometimes when I get injured in that, it, especially being self-employed, it affects my money. Did, yeah. Was that was that ever a thing that crossed your mind where you sort of had to, you know? Um, to be honest, no, it's it's never really crossed my mind. Um, my brother plays rugby. He well, he used to play rugby um, for the local team, North Allerton, and uh, he was the captain for a season or two and he broke his shoulder blade and he broke his hand and this that, and the other and I mean I was pretty fortunate in that the only injuries that I got weren't really threatening my work so okay. um, I don't think it crossed it probably should have crossed my mind but I <laughs> uh, it, it was something that just didn't really cross my mind I was I was too focused on when I when I put myself into something I put like I go all in so like yeah. I that's why I wanted to choose pretty soon, like whether I wanted to go down the shot putting route or, or the rugby route, because I was sort of like half and half at them both. And I wanted to put my all into something. And obviously you can only get so far in rugby. And then it's a matter of you're either in the premiership or you're not, you're playing for England or you're not. Um, and obviously with shot putting, there was, it was, it was also the, the aspect of being, a lone sport like it's it's just me it's not a team environment it's it's a solo sport in, in effect I mean I've obviously got a good team around me um, but at the end of the day if you don't compete well on the day it's down to you um, and I, I really like that I like the pressure of that I like I just like like the pressure of it really so, um, okay. so yeah it's um, but no it, it never really crossed my mind I mean my brother's taken plenty of time off with having injuries Um he no longer plays. He's turned soft and plays golf now. So yeah, I'm into uh, <laughs> I'm into me golf a little bit. But um, I'm really interested to know when I was doing my research on you how because I I do I worked throughout the day to fund my studies, podcast, everything, so I can do this in the evenings. And my energy levels are on the floor. So how you do, and and then I try and fit in gym after that, and it's like I've just got no energy. So. I'm interested to know how you stay motivated and how you keep your energy levels up doing physical and then physical, you know? You're doing, you're doing work all day and then going to train. How do you yeah, work so around that? I, um, when I first started, uh, obviously I was, I was working five days a week and when it came to like these months, the winter months, the winter slog everyone calls in, it's yeah. such hard training. Um, so like I have a, a big circuit on a Monday um, a heavy weight session on a Tuesday, uh, plyometrics and hurdle work, like flexibility, sprints and stuff on a Wednesday. Uh, and then I have like weights Thursday, Friday rest. So it was like a really intense week. And then a double session on Saturday. So I'd throw and throw and lift on a Saturday as well. And um, I, w I was to the stage where I was literally, I was, do I was doing it and turning up and, I, don't, I, I honestly don't know what motivated me. Um, I mean, at times I was fighting with my coach because I was that tired. I just, it made me a grumpy person. And um, yeah. it got to the point where I was arguing with my coach and he was just saying, well, just go home. What, what are you doing here? Why, you know, you, you're not enjoying it, just go home. And we'd have fights and arguments like week in, week out. And he, to be fair to him, his patience level was through the roof on like, getting me to be motivated there and um my dad actually came down and and trained with me for a little while um just to try and sort of give me a kick up the backside that I needed and um obviously my parents like I wouldn't say they were they were pushy parents but they also supported me in anything that I wanted to do and that I think they had conversations between my coach and, and themselves and and decided that obviously I do have talent in this and I didn't really see it at the time because I was a bit like a zombie. And um, but yeah, and I actually had a bit of a wake-up call because I was I went to a restaurant one night and my ex-girlfriend picked up on um, a small ball patch on the back of my head, yeah. and I was thinking, oh, it's nothing. It's just wearing the hard hat at work. This and the other. 
And um, anyway, it gradually got bigger and bigger. To the it got to like the size of probably a tennis ball. And I was like, obviously, really self conscious, back of my head here, like everyone could see it. And uh, I was like, Jesus, this is not right. And I was getting home from work and literally falling to sleep. So I'd get home at like half four uh, and I'd have to set off at like half five to get to training at York, which is like an hour drive in itself. And I was falling asleep before being able to set off. And I was like, something's not right here. Anyway, I got into the doctors and they did some blood tests and they they thought it could be alopecia. It could be some some other things and... Um, and I was a bit like nervous at the time, like, you know, I just knew there was some, they knew there was something wrong. I knew there was something wrong. Anyway, it came back. I had a lack of iron in my body. Yeah. So from that moment, they said, right, just eat a lot more green veg. Um, and I'm, we're not going to put you on tablets, just eat more green veg, dark green veg, eat, eat more iron. So yeah. that's when I got in touch with my nutritionist who, uh, who, I've been on and off working with for a, a little while, George Robinson. He works for um, British Cycling now. Um, but yeah, he he was like, right, we're just going to get you some quick, easy plans to eat well before you go training because I only had a short window of time. Um, and straight away, I, I have a spinach smoothie every day. Um, absolutely horrendous, but it gets the iron <laughs> in. And, um, and yeah, straight away, I felt, loads more energetic like I felt like a new person it would give me a new lease of life really like work was going better so I was enjoying it more I wasn't a zombie anymore but then obviously coming up to like the last two or three years I just made the decision to it was time to cut work off a bit so I only work three days a week now okay um so Tuesday and Thursdays are my my days off work um I've changed them into like a double weight session so I've actually literally just come back from the gym like 40 minutes ago um so now I'm done for the evening, whereas now I'd usually be starting at this time. Um, yeah. So I just get so much more recovery, uh, and that's been the key to getting to the Olympics, I think. Yeah. Mm. Previously, when um, you'd schedule training plans, would they ever factor in your workload during the day? Because that's something I really struggle with, like knowing how much to do in the gym, considering I've just been walking all day, like I'm cutting 30 lawns a day. Yeah what's the point in going to the gym and doing more cardio? Like I've just done a whole day's work. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so how do you work around that? Is, is that something you factor in? Yeah. Well, as you will obviously know, like every day at work is different for mm. people like us in, in, in a trade. And um, I think some days like, I mean, I'm fortunate in the fact that a lot of the time now I I'm working with the diggers. I'm, I'm pretty much full-time okay. digger driving. So I get the recovery in there as well. Um, but when I was bricklaying, we were also like, there was only my, me and my brother at the time that were working for us. So we were doing the labouring, we were doing like everything. We were doing the mixes, we were loading the bricks out, we were up and down the scaffold, we'd lay the bricks, go back down, put another mix in. And it was like intense. But like, I think the good thing about my coach is I've been working with him that long that he can he can tell by looking at my body language what sort of mood I'm in and and also how tired I am by the way that I'm walking over the over towards the circle. And um, there's a lot of times where sessions fluctuate because of what I've been doing at work. And you once you realize, obviously, every session is not going to be rosy. Uh, it never is. Even if you are fully rested every day, you're not going to have perfect sessions every session. Um, but once you get your head around doing that, like, and, and the fact that some are going to be more tiring than others and obviously like you say like works different every day so Mm. you've got to factor that in so we stick to the training but we me and my coach have a policy of just listen to your body if you're feeling tight if you're feeling tired work around it just don't go flat out into it because it's just going to lead to bad things and injuries Mm. when you go to like competition did you ever look at look at the people you're competing against and, and compare yourself to them like they don't have to to, to go and like work all week that they're able to train like fully focus on it and you're having to slug it out during the day and then go and train after is that something that you struggled with or, or used it as motivation is you like the underdog yeah for sure yeah I mean it's always come up in conversation and it actually came up in conversation when I qualified for the Olympics people were thinking like 
how many people are actually working in a in an intense job and a physical job uh how many people are actually doing that that are at the olympics and to be honest i don't really know and it's something that's obviously in the back of my mind how how could i be if i was a full time athlete but to be honest work's been a really good release for me so obviously i've been i've been thinking about becoming a full time athlete for maybe the last two or three years and just putting my all in for like a good four or five years and just seeing what happens. Um, obviously, it'd take a pay cut and stuff and at work and it'd probably be skimping, but it's like you only get this opportunity once in life and you're only young ones to do this, so it's worth a shot. But I, it came to lockdown and um, obviously everything shut down and our building sites were shut down for like five weeks. And it made me become a full-time athlete that I've always dreamt of being. Mm. And I just felt like I was fighting with my own mind. Like I was literally, I was going into going into training sessions thinking, oh, I need to do this, this and this. Cause I was thinking about it last night and I, I have a hot tub for recovery and I sit in the hot tub on a night and I'm just thinking, if I just lower that arm there, it might do this, this and this to the finish of the throw. And I'm like, oh, subconsciously trying things without my coach telling me to try them. And then every single session was turning out different. So I was just like eating away at my own mind in a way. And it just wasn't a very good environment for me. So that's obviously when I got in touch with Chris, my psychologist, and we started speaking through things and um, and sort of tried cutting down on the overthinking stages. And um, that's really helped. And yeah, I mean, it's works good for me because it's just a good release to go on site with the lads we've got like six or seven lads working with us now and it's just good to go and have a bit of banter get away from throwing no one talks about throwing on site we just literally take the mick out of each other <laughs> and do our job and then go home you know so it's just what i need at the moment um obviously in the next year or two i think i probably will go full time uh take the plunge and just obviously take up another hobby like maybe golf or something something easy not a bad hobby though <laughs> Oli just introduced me to to golfing uh, a few months yeah. ago and, and I loved it it's, it's fantastic sport it's very yeah, therapeutic it's isn't it yeah it's addictive as well it's yeah. therapeutic until about ball nine oh. where you're like <laughs> oh, yeah. hacking, hacking away hacking away at the floor yeah. I'm terrible at it um, no, yeah. oh, but um in terms of that funding for you, how important is it? Um, and are, are you're funded now? Are you are you being funded by the British Athletics now? Yeah. yeah so I've just been put onto the world class program. Um, Congratulations. That's cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's good for me. It's for me the the money obviously is a bonus because everything that I do at the moment that you know I've been three days a week. Um, that's all off my own back. Like I've taken the pay cut. I've, I've just focused myself on rather than making money, just the pride of being who I want to be in an athletics. And, um, I guess, yeah, I've just been sort of like driven towards achieving my goals. So I've not really been thinking about the money side of it, but I, uh, I think with the added help of obviously we, we get stuff like blood tests every um, every three months to see if you're deficient in anything. For me, having a lack of iron in the past, like that's been really good in the past for me. Um, so that's going to be good in the future as well, being on the programme. Um, obviously, the the Booper Healthcare, that's going to be beneficial if there's any niggles. I'm in for a scan within a few days and it'll be a quick quicker turnaround. Um, so yeah, I think the world-class programme's obviously been a big big bonus for me and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes in the next few years. Fantastic. Um, one question I had for you also was um, how much has shot put the kind of sport, how much has it evolved since you started? Have you noticed like that the levels have increased? Like, is it getting more attention? Tell me more about that. Um, I think it is definitely getting more attention. Um, I, I Well, obviously I'm a bit biased, but I do think it's, one of the most exciting um, prospects in athletics at the moment. Obviously, the world record's just been broken. And you look at the the world championships in 2019 and there was like 
two centimeters splitting the the top three people in the world like that is mental mm. someone someone throwing 22 60 and coming four it's like mind-blowing um but i think the the annoying thing for me is over the last five years when these guys like your tom walsh's your krausers your kovacs um and and romani when they've come on the scene they've obviously taken it to the next level and as i've been progressing like i've had a decent progression over the last few years like meters here like I, I was progressing at a meter a year for like four years in a row, uh, which is pretty good. And then it got to like a stage where I had a, a couple of years um, where I didn't improve and then started improving again, like 60 centimeters a year. And again, probably, yeah, 60 centimeters again this year. And it's, it's like I'm improving, but so is the standard of shot putting. So the, I'm sort of fighting against the curve all the time, whereas yeah. I've always been there or thereabouts um, qualifying for things, but then I've just not quite been there. And mm. every year I'm getting better and better, but I'm just not quite getting there. And it was it was really getting frustrating. And that's partly the reason why I went down to three days. I was just like, I need to do something to change this and get above the curve and actually qualify for things. And yeah, so glad I did. Um, but no, I mean, looking at it in the sense of, the standard um, to qualify for Rio Olympics in 2016 was 2050 and Tokyo was 2110. So like right. a 60 centimetres improvement in four years is mental. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah. So obviously the, the months before you actually made it to the Olympics were, it's kind of like a roller coaster journey, wasn't it? So tell us more about that journey. So those couple weeks couple months before you actually made it tell us more yeah well it was i'll go back a bit further to the indoors and okay like i genuinely came off so we obviously had the covid year where everything was cancelled like we were due to go to europe due to do this due to do that everything was cancelled the olympics was postponed and we didn't know if we were able to compete or anything and i was in really good shape to be fair um and we did some virtual competitions just to keep us going and to keep people excited about athletics and we did it in our gardens and things um during lockdown just to get us motivated and act as if there is a season and then all of a sudden we got the go-ahead um this was between the two lockdowns to um to go ahead and, and compete and obviously started competing um i did my first one in london and i pb'd there uh 2045 i think it was um and i was like absolutely buzzing with that um leading into the i, I finished the season with 2065 and i was like all i need to do is 2110 next year to get into the olympics like i was absolutely buzzing with it came into the season like full of excitement opened my season with 20 meters indoors which for me was mega i'm always like a meter down indoors than what i am outdoors and everything was going the right way. I was like, yeah, this is class. Like, I was absolutely loving it. And then it, as the season progressed, I, I opened my outdoor season with like 2022. And then I had a few at 20, 20, 2029, uh, 2024, 2021. And they were all like around that low 20 mark. And I was like, hang on, this season's going by pretty quick and I'm not quite getting there. And uh, I went to Loughborough and... There was it was still a bit COVID hit and there was a bit of a debate whether my coach would be able to get in or not and it was just a bit of a faff on really and mm. um, this was like two months before the Olympics uh, it was the week before the European Team Championships actually and I knew I was in the shape of my life and I knew I was in twenty one meter shape but I just hadn't produced it and I was like I was getting tense I was trying to change bits on my technique to try and get myself to relax and things and obviously working with my psychologist all the way through and he was giving me things to to bring me into the present and and just things like that and anyway we I went to Loughborough I remember going to Loughborough and I, I wasn't fully focused on the competition I was more focused on my coach being let in whether he was allowed whether he wasn't um you know, I'd driven down on my own. I'd sat in my hotel room most of the night, met up with a few lads and went for an Indian the night before, which probably wasn't the best preparation in fairness. <laughs> yeah. um, and I actually did my season's worst. Um, 
couldn't even break 20 meters. And I was like, what is going on here? I'm throwing like 1980. I need to throw 2110. This just isn't happening, is it? It's just not happening. It's going to be another one of them years where I just, I'm there or thereabouts, but just not quite get it. And I was like, I came, I remember coming off and spat my dummy out a bit and kicked my, my toys out the pram, as it were, and straight over to my coach. Oh, I'm not going to Poland next week. There's no point in going to the team championships, throwing like that. And he was like, just relax, like chill. So anyway, we, we went to the team championships anyway. And um, I ended up pulling my neck in round one. I felt so good on the day and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to throw well today. Like the environment was perfect. There's people that I, I always want to beat when I'm in Europe. They were there and I was like, yeah, I'm on today. Threw 20 meters in the first round, pulled my neck and I was like, oh my God, I can hardly move. I was like, just constant setbacks, you know? And yeah. um, I was actually booked in to fly from Poland to Sweden, like three days later to do another competition. And I was like, this was getting towards like the last five comps of the, the season before qualifying was over. Um, and I was just like, Jesus Christ, what am I going to do? So I went to the physios, they loosened me off and I didn't even know if I could compete in Sweden because of my neck. But I thought, I'll just go anyway. I'll treat it as a bit of a rest and, you know, a bit of a nice bit of scenery and go and enjoy watching everyone else throw. Anyway, didn't do any throwing really went in with no expectations um and it actually poured down as we were sat in the call room uh came outside of the call like outside onto the fit like field and the circle was like ice and i'm like another competition like mm. why why me why is this not happening and I, I just i thought right just you know no expectations go and enjoy it um, you're here, you, you're able to throw, hopefully. It's not going to be too much pain. Um, just see what happens. And then ended up throwing like, I threw 20, like 2050, 2060 in warm-up. And I was thinking, that feels really good. I'm just relaxed. I'm not, like, not trying too hard because the circle's like ice. I'm just, just relaxed. Anyway, I built into it, ended up throwing a PB of 2071. And then straight away from there, I was just like, yep. I'm on here. Um, the Olympic dreams back on. And then <laughs> it just sort of like fell into place from there on in. It was, it seems really strange thing to say, but like everything just worked step by step perfectly. Um, so I literally, I went into uh, the next competition, uh, throwing low twenties, but I was, I shouldn't have done it really. I, it was in London and I'd done all the traveling in between and just gone straight to London and thought, I'll just give it a shot, see what happens. Uh, didn't go to plan really and then had a bit of rest and I had two competitions in Czech Republic lined up and then another one in Sweden if I needed it so I was like right I need to do it in these two comps and I, I literally everything just lined up training went really well I just had a mindset that in these two comps in Czech Republic I was going to do it in one of them uh, through a PB over there before through it was the first place I threw 20 meters so I knew it was good circle I, I knew I enjoyed it over there and I was just like, right, I'm just going to go over and qualify. And just every stupid little things just all lined up. Like I got on the plane and I paid for extra leg room at the front of the plane, num num seat number one. And I was sat next to two people. I was sat cramped like this. I was like, yeah, this isn't comfy. And the air hostess came over and she was like, oh, um, you look uncomfortable, Ed. Would you like to move? And I was like, well, I've paid for extra leg room. It's fine. I'll just sit here. I want the extra leg room. And she was like, I'll show you this seat down here. So she put me on an overwing exit and there was three seats to myself. And I was like, oh yes, this is like living the dream. So mm. extra leg room, no one by my side. Yeah. Anyway, I got to, um, got to Czech Republic and they were like, oh, we've, um, we've changed your hotel this year. You're not in the same hotel as you normally are. I was like, oh, I can say it. Like, I knew everything in my head, like was lining up. I knew what hotel I was going to. I knew where I was eating. I knew where we were training, where we were throwing everything. And he was like, yeah, we're actually putting you in the hotel next door to the food place so you don't have to walk like half a mile down the road. It's literally like 10 meters. I was like, oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, literally. So I just got into my hotel room, had a really sound um, high jumping. He was from uh, Bahamas. Really sound guy. Um, just pretty much like me, but a, a high jump version of me. 
we just literally just chilled. We had a bit of a laugh when we wanted to, chilled when we wanted to, had headphones in when we wanted to, video called when we wanted to, and it was just like such a relaxed atmosphere, which is bizarre when you first meet someone like that. Yeah. Um, you're quite often on edge thinking, you know, like, oh, I don't really know this guy. Do I, do I make conversation? Do I not? Do I, you know? Yeah, but yeah. it just seemed really relaxed and everything went well. And yeah, went and nailed it in the first competition, 21, 28, and then got on the beers and... <laughs> sort of, <laughs> it's fair, ad- yeah, adrenaline. Um, it had me up until, like, obviously the adrenaline of the comp and stuff and the excitement of qualifying and, and everything, like, my phone blew up. I literally had about probably about five thousand messages. Like there was, I put a thing on Instagram that had like thousand likes, and it was just everything just blew up. Um, everyone was like buzzing for me, and um, I got laid in bed on that evening. It was about I don't know, like midnight or something, maybe a bit earlier, early hours, and I knew we were traveling the next day to the next competition, which was like a four-hour drive. And I was like, right, I'll just go to bed, get some sleep. I've had a few beers, so that'll help me sleep. And I found myself just like with a beaming grin until about 5 a.m. in the morning. I was still awake. I could literally, the, the sun had set and then risen again. And I could hear the birds chirping away and I'm still sat in bed just like, yeah. okay, I'd like some sleep now, please. Um, but no, absolutely epic. Like, absolutely loved it. You must love Czech Republic then. Yeah, I do. Beer's good, food's good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When you, um, you talked a lot then about um, when you best perform and it seemed like you best perform when you're sort of relaxed. Um, Mm -hmm. What is like your optimal state and how do you achieve that leading up to competition? Is there anything you have in a routine or or anything like that? Um, For me, like like you say, being relaxed is is the key for me. Um, I've found that over the last few years and I actually got given uh, a quote and it stuck with me. It's probably like when people say, have you ever been given, like what's the best piece of advice you've been given? And I'd say this quote is probably that that piece of advice that hits you in the face when you think about it. And um, it was control the controllable. Mm. You cannot control the uncontrollable. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, well, think about it. Like if you go to an airport, I was like, yeah. And he goes, right, your flight's delayed two hours. What do you do? I said, I get annoyed. <laughs> I get I get annoyed. I, you know, I rightly so. Like, you sat in an airport for two hours extra that you don't want to be sat there. And he said, right, so look at it in this way. You sat in the airport. What would you be doing if that flight went on time? What would you be doing at the other side? And I said, well, I'll get to my room. I'll sit in my room, chill, watch videos on YouTube or whatever, or watch a series or a film or whatever, and then, you know, just chill out. And he said, right, so what's the difference between sitting in the airport for two hours where you can still sit and watch your your YouTube, your, your films, your whatever, mm-hmm. um, you can still chill, but you're just not in that country yet. It's just two hours, diff- you know, you sat two hours here instead mm-hmm. of two hours there. And to me, that just completely changed my mindset I was like he's totally right and everything like I was I was on my way to train I'd had a bit of a chew on at work through the day and I was a bit late going to training one night um I was like rushing and overtaking cars and like rushing to training to get there it's like a a 50 minute to an hour drive to, to my training venue and I was like rushing through and I was getting like tense I was getting agitated and come on, like, why aren't you going faster, blah, blah. Yeah. And then um, I had this quote in my head and I thought, you know what, I'm going to be late to training. I, there's nothing I can do about it. Just relax. Get, you'll get there. You'll be 10 minutes late or whatever. Um, but you're better off being relaxed than you are rushing through and get getting there, you know, flustered. Exactly. So I started sort of implementing that sort of mindset and it just helped me massively. Um, but also working with my psychologist, Chris, he, um, we do like a pre routine before I throw. So every throw, it's basically like something quite personal. So I won't go too much into it, but basically just putting me into the present, um, in that moment so that I know what to focus on and basically what, what I'm doing, what I'm doing there, like why, why I'm there and where I am sort of thing, as mm. stupid as it sounds. 
No, but I love that quote, what you said earlier, and I think that's real value to the listeners because it's something I've implemented into my life, especially this year. Mm-hmm. Taking over uh, my dad's business and, you know, money, you know, I, I'm paying for all the expenses when kids goes wrong and things like that. And you can really beat yourself up like, oh, the world's against me and things like that. Something I've tried this year is to go, if a kid goes wrong or, or I'm late for things, it is what it is. That's all I say to yep. myself. And yeah. money comes and goes, but like you're going to have times where you struggle some months. You're going to have some times where you've got all the money in, in the world. Like, all in. It's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's, it, at the end of the day, that's life. Like it's, you have your ups and downs. Like it's literally, it's, that's life. Um, there's going to be times where you improve, times where you don't improve, times where it's hard, times where it's easy. And yeah, you just, as you say, like you've just got to concentrate on the, the here and now and it is what it is, like literally. Mm. Yeah. I think as well, like giving yourself a, a break as well when, <clears throat> when, when you've had a tough day. Sometimes, like you said earlier, earlier in the podcast, listening to your body, not killing yourself, burning, burning the candle at both ends. Like that's something I've tried to focus on as well for energy levels, mental health. You can really get yourself down in the dumps. Um, so it's definitely, this podcast already has provided a lot of value to the listeners. For sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Go on, John. And I was going to say, so obviously you, you shared with us like your kind of thoughts and uh when you realized you were going to go to the Olympics, you were obviously super happy. Were you kind of nervous or stressed about going or was it literally just happy, happiness, excitement? You know what? It sounds really bizarre, but Mm. it didn't really feel real. Um, So obviously I was going to this, this competition, the Olympic games, and it just felt like any other competition, except I've, I had that many emails leading into it. It was so stressful. Like they were sending you like nutritional advice to help with jet lag. And they were sending you like, Oh, you can get this free. You can get that free. If you sign up now. And I was literally going through the emails and I'm quite a busy person in life. And I always have been, and I always like being, and um, I was like looking at these emails in a rush sometimes. And I was thinking, right, that's not of any value to me. Well, it is, but it, it's not a priority. Like the the ones that I found were priorities were stuff like getting your kit sorted, um, getting your flight details sorted, uh, how much luggage you got, like things things that mm. actually like would make an impact on your journey if you didn't have them right. Mm. And um, I was just thinking, I've got so many emails. Like I hope I've done everything right. There was so much stuff that you had to like sign up to, and um, so we had to sign up to these apps. Uh, to be in Japan it was basically like a track and trace system um, so they were stressful if basically there was rumours that well we got an email through uh, saying that people had got there and a couple of athletes hadn't done it correctly and they got sent home straight away like literally on the next flight home so they'd just done like a 13 12 or 13 hour flight and then literally they were there for an hour and sent home whether it was true I don't know whether they were just scaremongering us I don't know <laughs> um, but it was pretty stressful like more so just the logistics of it all like everything was sorted for you when as soon as you got to the airport and you knew it you had everything and you ticked it all off that's when it was like you could relax and everything was taken care of but leading into it it wasn't so much the competition that was nerving nervy for me it was the lead up to it to get actually get there and make sure everything was in place to get there um but once i was there it was such a bizarre feeling because that was my first major. I, I didn't do any junior majors. I didn't do any youth majors because I was a bit half and half, like at that, them sort of ages. And I wasn't fully committed and um, didn't manage to make any of the majors. And I finally got to my first majors and it just t- so happened that it was like the biggest major you can get to. Um, so I was going into it in effect blind. Like I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, like, the different rules where you 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 have like an hour in call room instead of half an hour and stuff yeah. things like that like there's so much that I do differently looking back now than what I did do um but also I was coming away from training sessions and I was thinking yeah that was pretty good like how's that feel so I was like yeah it feels really good this feels really good I'd talked to my coach about it afterwards and he was like yeah this this and this and he was like how are you feeling about like leading up to the competition and stuff and I was like 
I genuinely don't know. And I, to be honest, I don't know how I should feel and I don't know how I'm meant to feel. Like, I'm literally going in blind. I I found myself really, really relaxed the couple of days leading into the, the actual competition when we were sat in the village and I felt myself really relaxed. And I was thinking, well, surely it's the biggest competition of my life. It's the Olympic Games, like the, the one you dream of going to. And I'm not nervous. What's going on? Like, should I be nervous? Should I not be? And you constantly yeah. battling with yourself thinking you just don't really know what's right or wrong it's weird it's such a yeah. weird bizarre thing yeah for sure so you mentioned like you mentioned you would have done things differently like next time what what were kind of like your lessons that you learned during your olympic experience what are some of those some of those things like was it yeah, preparation so I think, or yeah i think um the preparation before i went we maybe well, no, I wouldn't say we did too much. It was it was a good, but I took like a couple of weeks off work, like in the lead up, so that I could train with my coach. He took a couple of weeks off as well, and we sort of like we went into training, um, like a mini training camp, which I, although it was really good at the time, I think if we just stuck to the normal plan and just took more rest, that would have probably been um better for us but i found myself with so much time on my hands at the olympics when we actually got there because obviously i'm used to being busy i'm used to working i'm used to um doing this that and the other and then i found myself with all this spare time and i was doing my training sessions finishing them and then i was like right what am i going to do i've got the rest of the day what am i actually going to do so back to the room you know you'd video call people for a couple of hours and then you'd um try and keep busy with a film and then um yeah i think obviously if it was a normal year and covid wasn't involved we probably would have been able to go out sightseeing and things but on the other hand i was i was just looking at the positives and i was thinking well we're going to be well rested for the competition we're going to be completely focused on what we need to do rather than sightseeing and and things like that and um yeah it just ended up a bit of like a, a whirlwind going there and like obviously my warm-ups i would do differently because I warmed up an hour before I went out onto the field and by the time I was out on the field, I was needing to warm up again, you know? So just daft little things like that. Um, and yeah, just probably um, changed my plan around a bit so that I was sort of using the full day rather than doing all my session in, in the start of the day and then having the rest of the day free. I'd maybe split, you know, like do less throws in the morning and a few in the afternoon or something. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's plenty that I'd change. Okay. Throughout the podcast, you've mentioned and, and just then about how important your coach is. You're constantly having conversations with them. How important is that relationship for you? And why do you think the relationship is of such high quality? Um, I think it's such good high quality because um, we've obviously, we know each other in and out now. So we've I've practically been like another son to him. Um yeah. He's, you know, he's, in effect, there's things that I tell him that I haven't told my parents and uh, likewise, probably, that he's told me that he hasn't, you know, like, told some of his family and stuff. And um, I think knowing each other as well as we do, it, it helps, but it's not like a normal coaching partnership. It's like more of, it's not like a dictatorship. It's more of like we bounce ideas off each other. Um, so we'll, like, We'll, we'll get knowledge from outside of our own knowledge, like from people that have been there and done it as well. And we'd bounce that off each other and see what would work for me and what wouldn't work. So obviously what works for them won't, might not necessarily work for me. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I think he's a patient guy. Um, we, we literally speak every day. He's, he's actually on holiday with his family right now. And he did a video call with me this morning to do a training session. So, okay. like, that takes a lot of dedication for not just him, but his family as well. Like, yeah. they're all part of it. Um, but, no, we're just we're good mates off the field, and he helps me to achieve what I want to achieve on the field. So, I think that's what helps massively. Yeah. It sounds like you guys have, like, a, a perfect working relationship. And uh, there was one story you shared also in an article where he... I think it was around the period where you were working intensely. Um, and... Yeah, you 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 were kind of contemplating whether continuing to to um, to continue training, and he told you to go back in your car and to reflect. So, 
has he done a lot of those kind of um like has he yeah has he provided you that kind of a, like that advice throughout or has he yeah he's um so obviously he can see sometimes my mindset's not right when i turn up training if you've you know like if you've been out in the rain in yorkshire it always rains yeah been out in in the rain all day uh you've been chewing on at work with something you know knee deep in mud and you're literally sick absolutely sick to death and you then have to get the motivation to get in your house you get warm for half an hour and then you've got to go back out do it all again on the night and like it was one of them days and i i literally turned up um hadn't qualified this was before i went down to three days a week at work as well um i hadn't qualified for anything that year like i i was having a bit of a rough period uh in life and didn't really know what to do with my throwing i wasn't fully committed to it i wasn't really enjoying it and i was just literally winging it and um i just turned up to this session and i was halfway through and i was just like I'm laid, literally laid in a puddle right now. I'm soaking wet. I'm freezing cold. I have been all day. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? Yeah. I've not qualified for anything this year. I've not improved this year. Why? What am I doing? So I literally went over to him. I said, I'm done. I'm literally, I'm done. I'm, I just, I can't do this anymore. I'm sick. And he was like, what? I was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm sick of your circuits. I'm sick of your weights. I'm sick of throwing I've put all into it. Unfortunately, I haven't made it. It is what it is. I'm done. And he said, what, you you finished? And I was like, yeah. He goes, ah, yeah, whatever. You're always like this at this time of year. I'm like, no, I'm done. I'm literally, I'm going on and that's it. I'm done. The shoes are going on the in, in the cupboard and that's it. And he was like, right, go and sit in your car. I'll be done in like half an hour. Go sit in your car. Uh, make your proper decision and I'll come and talk to you after the session. I was like, all right, cool. Went and sat in the car, sat warming up with a heated seat on and started feeling a little bit better about myself and dried out a bit. And I was a bit like, "Mm, you know, it's not too bad, is it? You know, like, do I really want to leave this spot I've put so much into? Anyway, he basically just came over and he was like, you've put, I think it was like 12 years at the time, you've put 12 years into this. I was like, yeah. He goes, this has been a massive chunk of your life, my life. And you have, what? what's your goal in the end? I was like, the Olympic Games. I want to get to the Olympics. I want to get to majors. I want to eventually medal at majors. And he was like, right. So we've been progressing this, this, and this every year. Um, you've put 12 years into it. You've improved up to now. He said, do you know how many people I've had that are talented that regret leaving the spot and I was like well yeah you see it all the time you know you, you speak to people I speak to people all the time like oh I used to be good at that I, I was national champion and blah blah and I could have done this this and this but I had to work or I had to do this or I went down this route instead or there's been a few that went down the rugby route and stuff and then I was just like I don't know I just don't know and he was like right well have a serious think and give me a call in the morning if you if you're not keen and um i literally drove away and i was thinking he's right what he's saying like i put 12 years to get so close and not get there could i live with that for the rest of my life and i was thinking it, it got quite deep you know and i was mm-hmm. I, was thinking, I was just thinking like i don't think i could like imagine wanting to get to the olympic games and training up like for 12 years to get there and you not actually get there. Like, that's something that you've got to live with for the rest of your life. And I always remember uh, there was an old guy. So on the in the rugby pitch uh, where I go and watch the local team, there was a guy um, and his son played for the team and he retired at like, I don't know, 25 or something to have children. And he just didn't want to get battered around. And he, you know, he, he was like yourself where, if he got injured, he would lose money and not be able to provide for his family and stuff. And his dad said, well, just think about it. You're alongside the other side of the fence. You're a long time the other side of the fence. And that crossed my mind when I was driving home. I was thinking, yeah, he's right. Like the rest of my life, 
I'm a spectator in in effect. Yeah. And this is my only time that I get. These next few years are the only time that I get to actually be the competitor and get to where I want to be. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't think I do want to quit. And um, anyway, I rung him the next morning. I was like, oh, it's all right. I've had a good sleep. I feel all right now. And he was like, I knew you didn't want to quit. I knew it. He said, you say it every year. This was your biggest tantrum up to now. But he said, like... <laughs> Obviously, and that that was sort of like the the moment that negotiated uh, cutting down to three days a week at work and stuff. And he was like, "Why why not cut down work?" And originally, we went down to four days a week, and I started improving loads. And I was like, I started enjoying it more. I was more rested, and I was like, "Yeah, this is good." So I went down to three days uh, where I'm at now, and yeah, I just never looked back since. Really, mm-hmm. been enjoying it since. Yeah, it made me laugh. Um, these winter months, I swear, it's such a slog. Like, you wake up, it's pitch black, you get back, and like now, outside, it's pitch black. Pitch black, it, yeah. It's a joke. And then you got, obviously, you've got to go out and train as well. Like, once this yeah. podcast is done, then it's be done for the day. But for you to go out and do that, man, credit to you, because... I have those tantrums where it's like, why am I doing this, man? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm putting myself through hell. Do I even want to do the business anymore? Um, yeah. I have it every year, so that really made me laugh. <laughs> and then you get you get to summer and you're just like, yeah. yeah. Some, I know, yeah. There, there a, a really, yeah, there was a really funny, um, a funny saying that somebody said to me. It was an endurance runner, I think, and it said, um, winter miles make summer smiles. Okay. I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No, it's like that though. Oh god! Yeah. Woke up this morning. It was like the first day of frost. So like, all the frost was on the grass, and it was like my van was just ice cold. Like I had to de-ice it, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I had a bit of a bad day yesterday because I was uh, it poured down all the the day before, yeah. and uh, I was in my digger, and it was just literally a bog. And I was yeah. like, I am sick of this. I was stood in this hole, like the the water was over the top of my feet, and I was just like. I'm sick. I'm absolutely sick, but still managed to, to get through it. All right. It's all yeah. good. Good stuff. It sounded like you needed that conversation though, like you said, with your coach to really take that step forward, to really dedicate more time towards your, you know, athletic career. So everything happens for a reason, I guess. You, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. For sure. I'm a strong believer in that. Yeah. Everything does happen for a reason. And um, yeah, it was, it was probably a long time coming as well. Cause in fairness, the circuits that we were doing, I mean, they've been adapted now and they're more specific for me mm. as opposed to like the group I was in. And um, yeah, it's it's made my, my weights go through the roof. So yeah, it's, uh, it's looking good. Love that. Good stuff. So something I started asking all our guests, um, more about the psychology of being a shop athlete. Um, I ask them, what are the psychological attributes or qualities you feel make a successful professional shot putter? So, so what's been key to you psychologically that's made you so successful? Um, I think, obviously, a relaxed state of mind, but also confidence. And I think confidence, a lot of the time, comes from obviously doing well um, and, like, achieving... I think small goals are key to, to becoming confident okay. because when you when you achieve your goals, like you feel unstoppable almost. And um, I feel a totally different person confidence-wise coming back from the Olympics, um, being an Olympian. Like I just feel a totally different person. I feel more confident in myself. I feel more confident as an athlete. Um, just daft little things. Like I wouldn't like training in a group environment because people were better than me or people were fitter than me and but like coming back and I'm like well I'm an Olympian like what I've done is good enough for where I am now yeah I just need to improve these percentages each year and it's going to keep going up you know so mm-hmm. that was for me like confidence is a massive part of it um and when you're confident I think everything goes your way and you feel you just feel unstoppable. Yeah, I find it. Um, I don't know. Being an outsider looking into shot put, you'd think that they'd need to be like really amped up, you know, like listening to to music to get themselves really hyped. So the fact that you've come out and said you have to be relaxed has really surprised me. 
um, do you listen to music before you compete? And if so, what, what type of music are you listening to? Yeah, I do. I um, So I go the other way. So I've, I've tried... Um, I've tried amping myself up. I've tried firing myself up. And um, to be honest, the best way of firing myself up is when I'm proving a point. So like my second best competition this year was when I didn't get selected for any teams. Came back from the Olympic Games, didn't get selected for England, didn't get selected for the National League. Um, and I had to actually guest in the Manchester International. I missed the England Championships, which was like the, the the qualifier, as it were, to compete for England. I said, look, I, I'm flying to Tokyo. Please keep me in mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had to go through their protocols in fairness and pick the person that won the, the England Championships. Um, so, like, the best person in the country for shot put was a guest. And, like, yeah. ended up throwing really well because I was proving a point. Or I, in my head, I had that point to prove. Um, but no, I mean, for me, being relaxed is is my my best way of competing, yeah, and best state of mind. Um, but I listen to a lot of country music. Okay. Um, so I listen to a lot of Kit Moore. I listen to Brad Paisley. Uh, yeah, and just like sometimes listen to podcasts on the on the way to training, just to just to relax myself and and get me in a decent mindset and. Yeah, I just love country music. I, I listen to it in the hot tub on a night and it's just like my release from everything. Like, I'll sit in the hot tub. Uh, I mean, we've got pretty incredible views from the hot tub where, where we live now. We live on a hill, like, overlooking the country and okay. um, just sit and listen to country music and it's just literally my release. Like, it's just a chilled out hour or whatever and I'm just absolutely living the dream. Yeah, country music is kind of underrated. Uh, yeah, I'll say. <laughs> Very popular in the UK, to be fair. And in Ireland also. I think in Ireland a lot of people listen to that. There is an Irish uh, genre, I think, of country music. But I listen to like the sort of modern, modern American. Yeah. Um, There's there's loads of guys like Riley Green and the proper cool guys as well. Like follow them (laughs) on Instagram and they're just proper cool guys like living (laughs) the dream. Like a lot of them are obviously own big ranches they just yeah. go out and sort the cattle out and then come home have a beer and chill <laughs> yeah I loved, songs and... I loved watching um, I don't know if you watched it on Prime but like Clarkson's Farm like, I yeah. just love yeah, that, that series and like just the way he goes out does his farm like it's just class yeah yeah <laughs> that's the <There's>, dream um, <laughs> yeah for sure there's another uh, one that I'm just getting into it's an American series it's huge in America uh, called Yellowstone Okay. So I'm just actually getting into that now, and that's a bit like um, it's a big ranch in America. It's obviously um, fictional. It's not. Um, it's not yeah. real life. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. like when he bought the Lamborghini tractor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? What's that about? <laughs> Lamborghini oh, tractor. Honestly. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's a good series, and that, that other guy he bounces off him so well. Caleb. Yeah, Caleb. Caleb. Yeah. Caleb yeah. yeah. So funny. Yeah. So it is good. good you need to yeah. watch it, John. It's on the Amazon yeah. Prime. I actually, I actually watched that on the way to Czech Republic when I when I qualified. That's what oh, I was okay. watching on the way. <laughs> I watched that on the, I watched that on the plane. But I, that was another thing. I found a decent series, and I was like, I found a decent series to watch. Like I'm, yeah, living the dream. There's no bear, is there? <laughs> no, no, it's good. Yeah, but, Go ahead, but yeah, no, like now you've uh, competed at your first Olympics. What are you hoping to achieve now in the uh, in the future? What are your future goals? It's. I was actually talking about this the other day, and it, it seems really strange. And um, like I've sort of achieved partly my main goal in life was to get to the Olympic Games. Um, obviously, I want medals at things and and at majors. But like now that I've competed at the Olympic Games, I feel like I've got no pressure. So like I'm literally. I've never been so relaxed. I've not even measured any throws yet. I've been throwing for like the last for maybe five weeks I've not measured one throw yet I'm like I'm not comparing to anything I'm just literally working technically on producing better throws and bigger throws like Mm. at the moment I think I'm probably way down on on distance by looking at it but um, it just doesn't really matter because the technical changes are working and it's starting to click a bit better and it's just been such a weird situation to be in where usually this time of year I'm like 
I need to be throwing further than what I am now to get to this, this and this. And indoors are coming. They're like literally two and a half months away. Like I need to be in shape. And I'm just looking at it like, well, my weights are going through the roof. My my technical changes are starting to help and starting to become better and more frequent. So in the in the long run, like it's just going to help me. Um, there's no rush to get it done now. At the end of the day, we're in well, we're in November now, and there's no real rush to be in good shape in November. And what's the point of throwing far in November when season doesn't start till like the end of January? So, um, so yeah, obviously this year coming up, there's the World Indoors, which I've already qualified for. Um, so that'll be like my first major indoors as well. Um, and then. I'm going to target all three outdoors, the Commonwealth Europeans and Worlds. So I want to be, I want to be up competing um, and competitive at the Worlds. I want to make the final and try and be top end of the final. Um, I want to be pushing for hopefully a medal at the Europeans and the the Commonwealth. Nice, yeah. We wish you all the best in it. Um... Yeah, thank you very much. In terms of those technical changes, that helps you in your golf game. It's something that I try to implement, like maybe pulling back on the distance a little bit, but working on your technical uh, technical <laughs> fix. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's yeah. it's so strange because, like, you'll find it in golf as well. Like, I used to play a lot of golf, and my brother plays a lot. And my granddad was actually off, I think, a three handicap at one point. Um, he wow. when. When you go through the motions and say you you hit the ball at sixty percent but technically hit it clean, it'll go a lot further than when you're trying at one hundred and ten percent flat out smashing the hell out of it. Yeah, and it's the same in shot putting. Like that's really? why the relax. Yeah, that's why the relaxed, the re- being in the relaxed state of mind is better for me because when I go at like sixty seventy percent and go for it sort of thing. It, I'll hit them better than I will at trying at a hundred percent because you just get tense and you're like yeah. trying to smash it, you know. So yeah, okay. it's it's very similar in that respect, really. I'm yeah. gonna brought that up. That's uh, that's really interesting. I didn't, I didn't expect that because like, you'd think you'd have to just go sh- all for it, but yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's like that's a controlled aggression in a, in a way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have that kind of similar. So I've just started boxing, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really bad, but. They keep telling me so, like before you punch, like keep your hands relaxed, and it's only when you actually hit the pad yeah. or that's when you tense because your whole body. And they were telling me like your posture, you're too tense, you're too, you know. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's, it's like you said, it's really important to you know be be in that relaxed state to hit harder. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think to be honest, boxing is probably very similar in regards to the the hip drive and. Obviously, yeah. we're pu- we're just punching a ball at the end of the day, and you're punching bags or people. So it's it's a similar thing, um, using the hip to affect to in effect to um, to cause the power in the arm. Yeah, yeah. My we- my weakness in boxing is the is the hips. It's like that movement. <laughs> I don't have that groove. <laughs> but, uh, Quick left, yeah. right. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> See John doing that very soon. Yeah. <laughs> No, but um, in terms of all the questions we had for you, they were all the questions, but obviously we asked our social media, see if yeah. they've got any questions for you. And this is just a segment where we reel them off one by one and get your insight. So the first one is, have you got any advice for young upcoming shot put athletes? Um, I think rule, rule out the possibility of money in sport. Um, because I think a lot of people come into the sport thinking they're going to become rich and they want to become famous and obviously shot putting is not that sport um, but I think just stay enjoying it keep enjoying it just do do what you enjoy and also learn the basics well before you go. and the same in the weight room like if you learn the basics well just just stick to lifting the bar when you first start get the techniques right and the weight will take care of itself. And it's the same in throwing. If you get your technical aspects right, you'll end up going a hell of a lot further than learning a bad habit and trying to get bad habit out of the technique. Um, so, yeah, I guess for me, it would be stay hungry and stay enjoying it. Nice. Great advice. Perfect. So the second question was, 
This was a really important question. So is he ever going to get out golfing with me? And it was your brother that asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, we um, so I used to play as a junior and uh, we, we started out, um, well, I, I started out playing with my granddad uh, until he passed away. Uh, about 10 years ago now and um, I, I stopped playing I didn't I've not really I pick up a set of clubs maybe once a year um, and usually it's for um, the local building merchants do like a, a fun day like a golf golf day charity event and um, they always put me and my brother on the team and he obviously plays he plays every night if he could yeah. um, he's playing off about seven handicap I think now or six handicap so he's pretty good, to be fair. And um, they put us in a team and they obviously give me the biggest handicap. But I used to play to around between 18 and 20. So I still, even now, I go around and shoot about that every time I go out. I've got the basic technique right. And um, I go to the same course every time. So I sort of know the course pretty well. So um, yeah. we don't tell them that. I've played before and we just say, oh, you know, I'm the new golfer. So I'm the new golfer of the team and we end up winning every year. Winning some good gifts. <laughs> hustler, hustler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of like a lot of the questions we got for you, they've already sort of been answered. So I'll ask this final one. Um, it's when you grow up, do you want to be as good as your brother? <laughs> <laughs> Can I like, again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So being being the uh, the better looking, more intelligent, and bigger, stronger brother, nice. um, I don't know how to answer that one really. <laughs> Is you you younger or older? I'm younger, four years yeah. younger. So he's got older age on his side as well. Yeah, my brother. <laughs> so yeah, shout out to your brother. Even say that he's a better bricklayer, but I'm, I don't believe that either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love the competition. It's the same as me and my brother. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I love it. To be fair, I wish he'd be my training partner. I think mm. would be is is uh, well growing up. Like, I think me becoming so dedicated is partly due to him being the bigger, stronger brother. Like it, until. Obviously, when I started throwing and getting into the gym and stuff, I, that yeah. changed. But um, but no, it was always like everything was a competition, you know, even if it was like first one back to the car, sits in the front. It's like, you <laughs> yeah, know, you'd, yeah. you'd sprint over the car park. And it's just good to have. Obviously, having a bigger brother, it's, it's good to have. I've always wished I had a bigger brother because I would have liked that competition. Someone to like be above me. Obviously, I've always just been my brother at everything. So yeah. <laughs> sorry, y'all. Oh, sorry. Yeah, just can't help it. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, that's that's all the questions we had for you. So now, thanks so much for sharing this time with us, man. We really Thank appreciate so it. It's been a chill yeah, conversation. No, yeah, for sure. Spot on. Um, normally, we give this segment to, if you want to shout anything out. All your socials and that will be in the description below in the YouTube video. So, is there anything you want to say? I don't think so. Okay. No, Watch so, out for the future. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> um, we, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you could please share this with your friends or soon you would feel will benefit from it. Most importantly, like, subscribe, comment down below any questions or guess you'd like us to get on in the future. Also, go follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Links will be in the description. Other than that, thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next one. <laughs>